0: We are jumping right in. I'm going to um, just kind of recap a little bit. We are on a series that we're calling Grow. And so this would be week three. And we're looking at how does God take, you know, a seed of faith in our life? How does he grow us from uh, just, you know, hearing the word for the first time or, you know, coming to church? And how does he grow us as, as Christians? And I think everybody wants to grow Nobody, you know, doesn't want to go backwards. We all want to. We want to grow in life, and especially in our faith. But sometimes it can feel like it's complicated, and sometimes it can feel like there's resistance to that. Even coming to church, you probably felt some resistance this morning, I'm sure. Uh, and so we're going to look at that this morning. The first week, we're going to dive back into that same parable that we looked at on the on week one, but we talked about watering the seed. And then last week, Pastor Larry Perry uh, spoke about growing in the, in the Holy Spirit, which was an incredible message. If you weren't here, you can watch it online. And, and so this week, I want to talk about obstacles to growth, obstacles to growth. And so we're going we're to look at our first, uh, the parable that we read on week one. And this was one of those parables that was so important to Jesus that he, he decided to explain it. Uh, But first, I want to look at this couple verses in Isaiah, because I feel like they're connected. They're kind of parallel passages here. Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11, it says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and they do not return there, but but they water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be, that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty." It will accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sin it. Amen. All right, so, so God puts a lot of stock in his word, a lot of stock in his word. So let's jump over to the New Testament now. Mark chapter 4, the parable of the sower is, is mentioned, we see it in Mark, we see it in Matthew, and we see it in Luke. And so I'm going to pull a couple of things from each one of the writers. And so this parable made it into all, you know, three of the four Gospels. It was an important parable. But Mark says that when Jesus was explaining this parable, he said this, Mark chapter 4, verse 13. If you don't understand, don't, don't you understand this parable? He's asking the question, if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand any parable? And so to me, we should take notice of that. And it's almost like I feel like that the parable of the sower is a key. Jesus spoke in parables. He he in a parable I think is just a, an easy way of taking a a complicated supernatural truth and making it practical. And he uses things that we would understand. And so parables were very practical. It was seeds and soil. Um, you know, he talked about the prodigal son. He talked about the ten virgins and lamps, And he talked about the lost son and the lost sheep and the lost coin. He he spoke in parables and he unlocked these truths of heaven in a practical way so we can understand it. And the parable of the sower is that. And, and it's, you know, we read it week one, but it's, you know, a, a farmer goes out and he sows some seed. And, and the, the condition of the soil determined what happened to the seed. And so we read it in Mark on week one. I'm going to read Luke's account. Luke was a doctor. And so what I love about Luke Luke's gospel is he picks up on details a lot of times. One of my favorite books in my library is called The Harmony of the Gospels. And it takes all of these parables and it has them all in one place. So you can read the parable of the sower all together. And then the parable of the prodigal. So all these different parables all in one place. is pretty cool. But Luke catches some really, I think, keen details on this parable. Luke 8, chapter 11. Jesus is explaining the parable. After he had taught it to the crowd, the disciples were like, Jesus, we don't know what's going on. you got to explain this to us. This is the meaning. The seed is the word of God those along the path are the ones who hear and then the devil comes and he takes away the word from their hearts somebody say hearts so that they may not believe those on the rocky ground are the ones who they receive the word with joy when they hear it but they don't have a root they believe for a while but in the time of testing they they fall away there's rocks in the soil they can't grow any roots And then there's a seed that fell among thorns, and it stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, the seed is choked by life's worries, riches, pleasures, and it doesn't mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, somebody say hearts, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. All right, so Isaiah, Jesus in this parable, I think he's a parallel version here of, of what we read in Isaiah. He's showing us a truth here about how we come to faith and how we grow as believers. That, that the word of God comes to us in, in a simple, small form as a seed. And that's how we all started. And what I love about the, the, you know, the, the kingdom of God is it works a lot like the world that we live in that we see and experience every day. That everything that we see in in the world that we get to touch and our senses are in, our five senses experience, started in an unseen place, in the unseen realm. Like this building. This building started in the mind of an architect and and he and he put that from his mind he put it on paper which that's one step and then from paper they had to go out and find somebody who could put these beams in and you know we're, we're going through some old documents from the nightingale building uh, in gulf breeze that we're getting ready to start remodeling and we found a, a a full bin of of drawings and it's amazing like these drawings are from the 70s the late 70s and it's this beautiful campus with new buildings and and, and, and so the building that was there, we found the architectural renderings of it. And it's amazing to me how even the building started as an, in, the, in the mind of an architect or maybe the vision of a church that the architect was able to put into a, a, on a piece, a piece of paper and then a contractor was able to build it. It's the kingdom of God comes to us this way. The things that God, we, we pray for houses, God gives us acorns. Right, we we pray for money. God says, "Well, get in the, get on the, news, you know, go down and, and get on the uh, internet and find your job." <laughs> you know, what I'm saying that. Like, he, he answers with opportunities. He answers with ideas. He answers with a passion or desire or a dream, something that, that we get a glimpse of and and we can see what the future holds. But we're a part of the process. But it comes to us in a simple, small seed. And what I love about the consistency here with the word of God is that Isaiah said that that it's God's word that that brings fruit in the earth and it brings fruit in our lives. And Jesus says the same thing with the sower. The seed, we talked about this on week one, does not change. When we look at our, our, our story this morning, the parable of the sowers, there's four soils. Each one is different. But the seed is the same. And so I think every, every day, every time that we read the word of God, every time that we come to church, every time that we, you know, what we're singing normally is we're singing the word of God, that, that all of heaven, the confidence of heaven is in the word of God. And that's the way that God grows us. Whether it comes through a song or it comes through a sermon or it comes through a, a relationship or a coffee, it's, it's the more of the word of God that we can get in our minds and our soul and our spirit, the more likely we're going to begin to see growth in our life. So the confidence of heaven is in God's word. And that must be why there's so much opposition to it. Have you ever wondered i mean i can get ready to go anywhere and it seems like things just fall into place but sunday mornings <laughs> i mean if something's gonna break or something's gonna happen or you know or you know i've had a pipe burst on a on christmas eve like this year a pipe burst in my yard it was that freeze like if something bad's gonna happen it's usually when i'm trying to get to the house of god to hear the word of god or if I decide, you know, I can you know, watch 35 Netflix shows, there's no interruptions. But as soon as I say, I'm gonna get my Bible out and I'm gonna read the Bible a little bit this morning. It's, you know, like the a police officer shows up or, you know, something crazy happens. Cause there is, I think that we all can feel this and sense it, there's resistance to the word. Because just like heaven has confidence in the word of God, so does the other side. And they know as that word comes to us in seed form, we see in this beautiful parable the way that the enemy tries to bring resistance into our lives so the word can't really bring forth fruit. And I want to look at that. There's, there's four soils. The seed is the same, but the soil changed. And a farmer would call this environmental resistance. And they study this. They know this. They do soil samples. Before they plant a crop, they they look at environmental resistance because they want to make sure that seed has its best shot. And so what we have in three of four of these different soils is we have environmental resistance. And, And I want you to see the location of where this is. I love how Luke brings this out. He starts the explanation of the parable in verse 12, Luke 8. And he ends the explanation of the parable, verse 15, with the word heart. If you look at the first soil, the seed was taken away from their heart. And you look at the good soil, it was able to find a home in the heart. And so what we're seeing, if we can just kind of peel back reality for a moment and see in the spiritual realm, there's, there's a back and flow, an ebb and flow. There's a fight going on for your heart. Your heart. Your heart. I don't think Jesus came to build buildings. They're great. Stained glass doesn't concern him. I don't even think policy and theology is really important. I mean, it's important, but it's not the most important. It's your heart, it's people. And so that's where the battle takes place. And if we can just look for a moment and and see Jesus is talking about a farmer in a field, but in the spiritual realm, he's talking about you and I, our hearts and the seed that's coming forth and the Word of God that wants to grow and expand inside of our lives and the resistance is there. And the first one, the first soil that we see is it, it says that it fell along the path and the ones who hear it, before they, that it could, the seed could even get in their heart, the devil came and he, he took it away from them. And I'm going to call this the hardened heart, right? And you kind of got to read between the lines here because he doesn't say that. He doesn't say that this person has a hard heart. He just says that the seed fell along a path. And if you've ever walked a trail, and I'm sure everybody in here has, or you've been to Fort Pickens or Bear Lake or out west, you've hiked a trail, the path is just the place where people walk. It wasn't like, you know, I don't think that it was because that portion of the, of the woods did something bad so they put a trail through it so people could step on it all day. But that's just, that's just what happened. The path is there, and, and it's wore down from people walking on it throughout their journey to get from A to B. And I want to say that we kind of all start in this place. And, and from a very early age, we have a God who loves us that wants to keep us safe and protect us. And then we have an enemy who wants to, to sow some kind of unbelief or doubt or fear or pain into our lives. And whether we want to or not, we kind of become a path. In the Western world, we, we celebrate when a child is born. It's a big deal. We, we have parties. We send flowers. It's awesome. It's amazing. And it is a big deal. I, I mean, it's, it's fun to celebrate when children are born. And then when, when people pass, we mourn. We mourn their loss. We mourn, you know, we're going to miss them. And, and there's, there, it hurts. But in Jewish custom, they do the opposite. When a child is born, they mourn. And when a person passes, they celebrate. And it's because they know that child at the beginning of their life, they mourn because of what they're going to see and experience. <laughs> they know that, that, they gotta, that their life is going to become the path. And whether you wanted to or not, I'm sure we could sit down and talk for a little bit, and you could tell me some times where people walked on your heart, where people hurt you or used you, right? That's what you do with the path. You use it. Well, what does that do to a person over time? What does that do to a person's heart? It calluses it. It hardens it. And so when the word of God came, I remember the first time I heard, you know, I went to church, I didn't believe anything they said. Because my experience did not line up at all with what they were telling me. That there's a God that loves me. There's a God that wants the best for my life. That there's you know, that there's this God of love, and, he, and he's got a purpose for my life. And I'm thinking, that's not, I don't see that. <laughs> and it, I feel like my heart had been a little calloused, and my heart had been hardened. And this is what happens. It says that these birds show up. Luke doesn't talk about it, but Mark talks about it. He says these, these birds, as soon as the word is sown, these birds are there. Now, again, I want you to just, can you dream for a minute? Let's, let's kind of go into a, a, I don't make it to church every week, and I'm the pastor, all right? You know, there's weeks where I just need to take off, and I'm not in the camp of every time the, do- the doors are open, you need to be here. I think it's good for people to Sabbath, and sometimes Sabbath means not being here. And, and sometimes it's good to take a break, and sometimes it's good to be with family and to travel. and to I think God is in all of those things. But I'll tell you who's here every time the doors are open. And that's those birds. And they're just sitting on the ledge. And it could come in the form of a distraction. It could come in the form of, I don't like the way that his shirt is buttoned. Or, you know, know, I've had crazy, the first sermon I ever preached at Upper Room, you remember this? First sermon, first Sunday. I mean, I had everything ready to roll. I was so, you know, the whole time. Well, I think my, my zipper was undone, the whole time. And nobody would tell me. If please, seriously, if that ever happens, so somebody, <laughs> no, no, just tell me, you know. And then so not even, that's not even all that happened. Then I had this little illustration. I was using like a a, a paddle. Well, I knock the paddle over. It falls over, hits a mic, knocks a mic over. But Jesus talks about these birds that are hanging out. That when the word of God comes forth, they just want to take it from you. They want to make sure it doesn't go from your mind to your heart. And I think the real challenge in life is to grow older and to not grow meaner. It's to grow older and to keep a soft heart. A soft heart towards God, a soft heart towards people, and that's a real struggle. Because you're born on the path, y'all. People are going to walk on you. People are going to do things and you're going to go through stuff. And the real challenge, see, this was a challenge for the children of Israel. Look look at this in Hebrews chapter 3. Don't harden your hearts in rebellion. He's talking to Christians here. People that have been serving God a long time. On the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test. They saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation. They always go astray in their heart. They haven't known my ways. As I swore my wrath, they will not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil inside of an unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God." And so there's always these birds trying to take the word out of our hearts. And it's hard to keep a soft heart. It's hard to go through things and not let it impact you and not let it harden things inside of you and make you a, a hard person. You know, you can, you can become tougher and not meaner. You know what I'm saying? Like you can grow old and get tougher, and it doesn't mean that you got to be meaner and, and shut people off and shut people out. It's, it's a real challenge. It was a challenge then. It's a challenge now. The birds had a shot at the seed because the heart was hard. It couldn't get inside. And the second soil, I'm going to read it. The second soil, these were the ones that were sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they, they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and, but they have no root. The roots can't grow. They endure for a while, but when trouble comes, on the account of the word, immediately they fall away. I have this dog that's the size of a miniature horse. It's about 75 pounds. It's a German wire hair pointer. And uh, these, these dogs are awesome. It's the smartest dog I've ever had. I mean, this dog's a genius. It, it learned how to open doors. It learned how to open our pantry. I had to, like, change all the doors in our house so he would stop opening doors. Um, he's just, just really intelligent. I've never had a dog this smart. Well, he started, uh, he, he loves birds. So he's bred to, he's bred to retrieve birds and ducks. And so we would let him out of the house, and, you know, he, he did good for a while, but if we turned our back for a second, or if a bird flew over, he was gone. Gone. Like, like literally, he would follow that bird for, for like a half a mile. And, and so finally, we, we decided, we, okay, we got to get a fence. Like, this is not, you know, my neighbor's, he, he kind of drew a line in the sand. He's like, man... Your dog is uh, coming in our yard. There's like 48 poop bombs in my yard from your dog. Like, he got to do something about it. So we put up a fence, and I called a friend of mine that does that. And, and, um, and you know, so he's out there putting the fence up. Said it take me take him about a day. And, and he got to this back section of our fence, and he, he could only get about 6 inches, 12 inches in the ground, and he's hitting rock so he calls me, and I, you know, I, meet, I show up at the house, and we start digging up, and there's this big, massive pieces of rock. And I don't know really what it was. I don't know if it was like the foundation from an old house. Could have been something from a storm. But before we could finish, we had to take a, you know, a sledgehammer and dig into that rock and knock it, break it up, dig it out, so that we could finish the job. I think the second person is similar that they received the word and it goes underground, but there's some things underneath the surface that nobody knew was there. And in my yard, it was pieces of slab from a broke down house that got destroyed during a storm. And I felt like I got a sermon when I was out there hitting it with a sledgehammer. Because I was thinking about this parable, and I was thinking about how when the Word of God comes to our life, and I've seen people repent and cry and pray and say, I want to come to church. And they grow up fast, and they make a decision, and they do well for a few weeks and a few months. But then something that was underneath the surface prevents them from continuing to grow. And I know for me, the challenge for me was, I'm I'm just going to call it hidden hurt things in my past. See, what I love about God is we come to him and he, he gives us a new life and he gives us a brand new start. But that doesn't mean that we don't have to go back and heal from some things in our history. That before God does a work through us, he has to do a work in us. And we can receive the word and, and it, can, it can find a home in our heart. But as it begins to grow, I've found that, that God will put his hand on some things that are still impacting us today that's preventing the word of god from really growing inside of our lives it's hidden hurt past hang-ups past mistakes and maybe this is just my experience but you know when i when i first became a christian i was like a senior in high school about a year went by and it was a struggle for me it was a real struggle for me and i remember like i just god would bring up people in my life that I needed to go make things right with. And I felt like it was rocks. That it was almost like, I, I, you know, God was growing me in this area, but I had to forgive. And, and, and God was growing me in this area, but I had to ask for forgiveness. And I wrote some letters to people and delivered them. And it, and it might've been most of them were asking for forgiveness from stuff that I had done. But some of it was, hey, you know what, what happened? What you did, it hurt me. And I'm, I, I'm, I just want you to know that I'm forgiving you and I'm trying to grow as a Christian now. I'm trying to move forward, but this stuff is, I just, I just needed to do that. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but I feel like that this is this rocky soil. It's things that may be underneath the surface of our heart from storms that we don't even know is there. And as we try to grow and as we try to, to, to continue on this path, this faith journey, the Holy Spirit will put his hand on some things. I think Proverbs is full of, of heart talk, but I love this one verse in chapter four, verse 23, keep your heart pure. You gotta, like, it's almost like he's saying that's, that's work that you've got to do. That's work that you got to be willing to do, to, to, to dig deep in there. Why? Because everything that you do right now flows from your heart. And maybe there's some things in your past that's still impacting your present right now. And as the Word of God hits our, our, our hearts and begins to grow, those things start to come up, and we've got to deal with them. But what I love about it is God doesn't say, you know what, I'm gonna, you, you got to do it on your own. Ezekiel says this, I'm going to give you a new heart, a new heart. Somebody say new heart. And this this new heart that I'm going to give you, I'm going to put a new spirit in you and I'm going to remove the heart of stone. And I'm going to give you a heart of flesh, a heart of flesh. So one soil, the seed never had a shot never made it underground. The second soil, it got inside, but there was some rocks in there that needed to be dealt with, that needed to come out. So there were some internal things, things on the inside, preventing the word of God, preventing the seed from growing. Now look at this soil, the third one. It's stuff on the outside. It's distractions. It says these are the ones sown on rocky ground. and uh, I'm sorry, that's the, we already read that one, didn't we? Y'all help me out this morning. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they're ne- never able to mature. Diedrich Bonhoeffer was an officer during uh, Hitler's reign in Nazi Germany. And he became a Christian, and he began to struggle with the the idea of taking out Hitler. And and was it right or wrong for a Christian to do? So he was a part of a scheme to to remove him, right? He was a bad guy, doing a lot of bad things. And in his writings, he got put in prison. And in his writings, he, he wrote a book called Temptation. And so he's in prison writing about this and just his experience with that he's had with God and, and he he wrote this in that book and I'll never forget it. He said that that Satan is an extremist. That if he can't get you to give up on your faith through pain, so so you're the path, you're walked on, there's hurt, there's stuff there. If he can't get you through pain, he says he'll resort to pleasure. And I think that's what he means by this third soil. That the seed goes in and it begins to grow but, it, but, but it, it gets distracted. So the first one was internal things. Now it's riches or wealth or, you know, Jesus lists a few things. And, and the reality is there's nothing wrong with wealth. There's nothing wrong with, with riches, you know, I, don't, I think there's like two camps. Like one camp says you should be poor and sell everything and kind of be a vagabond. And that's what Christians are supposed to do. Then there's another camp that says every Christian should be rich. You know, and, and, and so I, I think I'm in the middle. I think God wants you to have more than you need so that you can be generous on all occasions. But what God doesn't want is for you to have so much stuff that it begins to have you. And that it, 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 it somehow moves from just stuff to now it occupies your heart. You're thinking about it. It's in your mind all the time. It's, 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 it's like, I think it becomes unhealthy when it becomes a part of your identity or becomes a part of who you are. And so Jesus is, is warning us here. He says there's some things on the outside, some distractions that will try to choke out the word of God. It goes in, it grows And what's cool about plants? We've got some house plants. Is they always grow in the direction of the most sunlight? You notice that? And I think a healthy Christian grows in the direction of the sun. Come on, somebody, right? It doesn't. It doesn't grow after other things. Like it's okay to have other things, but it's not the direction of your life. It's not who you are. It's not your identity. It's not, it, 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 you don't wrap your heart in that stuff. I mean, Jesus warned about riches. He says, it's, it's okay to have them, but it, you know, it's hard for a rich man to get to heaven. He said, it's like you know, a, a camel going through the eye of a needle. He didn't say it was wrong to be rich. He just said that when we have a lot of stuff, it has a tendency to start putting tentacles around our heart. And so this third soil, this distraction came from the outside and I think throughout my life and I don't know about your experience but I have found myself in one of these conditions as a Christian I have found myself at times going to you know going to church and hearing preaching and from a scripture that I prayed for or used to believe God for something that he that he didn't answer and it was almost like a little a little wound or praying for something, and then God does it for someone else. And so when I hear that verse, I feel like, well, maybe that's their verse, but that's not my verse. I tried that once. I prayed for healing for my uncle, and he, you know, it didn't happen. I prayed for healing here, and it didn't happen. And and that's the challenge, to keep believing. (laughs) And what I love about this parable is this farmer didn't sow the seed Even knowing that three of the four seeds were not even going to bear fruit. That didn't stop the farmer. And what I love about God and what I love about how He talks about how His word rains down from heaven and how He scatters this seed is whether we believe it or not and whether we have the faith to receive it or not, God is so good. And He keeps, He keeps, He keeps. Share in that seed and he keeps casting that that word into our lives even when we're when we're at a place where it's we don't believe it or we're at a place where we've got rocks inside of our heart and and it can't take deep root inside of us or we're at a place where we're running after something else and we're distracted the farmer still sows because eventually it's going to hit good ground and that's our fourth soil. And I'm going to read it out of the, the King James Version because they capture a word here that I feel like describes what is good soil. I want to be good soil, right? You want we, Everybody, we want to be good soil. I want my heart to be soft and, and open to God's word and, and believing. And, and I want to be able to reach out in faith and, and receive what God has for me. And Luke 8 says it, that the, the good ground, the seed that fell on good ground were those that had an honest and good heart. An honest heart. Honest. Having heard the word, kept it, and it brought forth fruit with patience. I love that. So that in a lot of ways, I think what Jesus is telling us here is that a healthy heart is not a perfect heart. It's not somebody that's never done anything wrong. It's not somebody that's never had wrong done to them because all of us at some point are going to, I think, find ourselves as one of these soils where it's hard to believe the Word of God. or there's something in our history preventing us from, from trusting the Word of God? or there's something outside in our periphery that we're chasing after with so much you know, passion that we don't even have time to consider the Word of God? But at some point, it's going to hit us with an open, honest heart. And I think that's all that God asks of us. He doesn't ask us to create a, a new heart ourselves. He doesn't ask us to, 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 to give ourselves a good, you know, honest heart. He says, I just want you to come to me and be open and honest about what you're feeling and what you're going through. And that's hard to do. But I found when we do that, when I do that, it's like the word, it, it, so much fruit begins to, to grow in our lives when we're able to be honest with where we are. Not try to fake it till we make it. That's what I was told. Fake it till you make it, right? You know, just, just, just fake it. If you don't feel like it, still do it. You know, it, I, I don't know if that's the best way to do it. I think maybe we face it till we make it. <laughs> And if we have some unbelief in our heart or we have some areas of our heart where it's really hard to believe God about this because my experience has been nothing like what I'm reading, that we're able to to, to grasp it and be honest about where we are, be honest about what we're facing. And I'm going to read this. I I love this verse. David prayed this in Psalm 139. And I I want this to kind of be our prayer. I'm going to ask them to come back up. I want you just to to bow your head with me this morning. I'm going to... I want to read this, but I want you to pray this. I'm going to just read it over you. Psalm 139 is a beautiful psalm, but David, David was a man who knew what it was like to go through a lot of stuff. David was a man who had made mistakes. David was a man who had had people hurt him, had people try to, to harm his life. David was a man who had been through a lot, and this was his prayer. Search me, God. Know my heart. It's open before you. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offense, any offensive way inside of me and lead me into the way of everlasting. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed, just just pray that prayer. Search my heart this morning, God. Is there some debris there from past storms? from things that I've endured as a child, things I endured as a teenager, things I endured just to survive. Is there some rocks in the soul of my heart this morning? Search me. God, is my heart callous today? Is it hard for me to believe you? Is it hard for me to believe that you're a good God? Is it hard for me to believe that you have my best interests in mind? Is it hard for me to believe that you love me or maybe this morning our hearts are running after other things that we think if we you know if we find mr Wright or miss Wright we'll find fulfillment or if we finally save that amount of money we can take our ease and retire it'll be all over if i can just get that promotion if i can just move out of this this house i need a little bit more room if i can you know our hearts tend to fix its it's sight on things that we feel like it's gonna give us fulfillment and then we get it and it's an optical illusion. Search my heart, God, is it running after other stuff? Bring it back to you, Lord. And this is what I want us to do in this moment. You're, God, I trust my heart to you can you just pray that? God, I trust my heart to you. I don't trust it to anyone else. No person, no organization, no, no hierarchy of religion. My, I trust my heart to you. I put it in your hands. Mend it and shape it and mold it. If there's rocks in there, get it out. If there's thorns and thistles, if there's things that's crowding it, Lord, break it away. Create in me a clean heart. Search it, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen.